I, uh, hello, check one, two. Awesome. Well, thank you, worship team. Thank you for um, just helping us um, reconnect with God this morning. This morning, I want to talk to you about, um, I want to talk to you about connecting with God and connecting with people. Um, before I do that, um, I want to dismiss the children. They can go to their children's church class for today. Thank you, children's leaders. I'm super excited about what's happening at Restoration Church. I just really, um, it's unbelievable how much God is speaking to us and is, I, I feel like sometimes like the Israelites, how God told them like, you don't, you're not going to even draw your sword. I'm just going to go in and fight your battles for you. I, I really, I've just, everywhere I look, I feel like I'm, I'm not even fighting the battle. Uh, the, the city, um, they're, they're, they're fighting on our behalf. I feel like the Lord is just, really, he's, he's led the way. I remember uh, December 31st, 2017, um, I shared a prophetic word about how the Lord actually drew his sword and charged, and, and we're just going to follow him. Uh, he's, he's a God that leads us. He's, uh, he leads us as, as a king, but he also walks behind us because he trusts us. It's, it's just a trust relationship, and it's, it's beautiful. I, I just want you to know how when a lead pastor has been in a church for 20 years, it's very unlikely that um, you save the best for last. Uh, and right now, Pastor Tom is leading in such a way that it's just full of faith. Uh, he, every, 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 I feel like every meeting that he has in his office is just so much vision, so much encouragement. People just leave just so excited for what God's doing. And uh, I had someone in my office this week um, from, our, from our body, and they came in, and they were, they were talking to me about the variance vote and stuff, and, and she was just pastoring me. She's like, this is God's answer to us. He is, he is leading us. He wants us to trust him. And, and sometimes he wants, us to, to, he wants to ask us how much, how much we actually want if, if this is something we're just trying, or is this something we sense that he's actually leading us into? So I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for leadership, like Pastor Tom, and I'm very excited, very hopeful for the next season of Restoration, Restoration Church. Um, I'm also thankful for our new leader, uh, Tyler Tufty. He is our district youth director. He's been in the state just for a little over a year now. Uh, has incredible vision to see kid men take off in the state. Of, co of course, youth ministry, um, and there's been a very high push emphasis of youth ministry for the last quite a few years, but just recently, children's ministry becoming a high emphasis, and just really excited about, um, about it. Um, he, he has a vision, of, it's called Vision 2020, and uh, he, he really wants to see an active youth and children's program in every single one of our churches in the state of South Dakota. Uh, he, he really wants to see a children's conference come to our state. In the same way that we're heading out um, just here next month to a youth conference, we're going to be having a kids' conference uh, in the years to come and uh, might even uh, be this 2019. So really excited uh, just what God's doing uh, in Kidman. And I, my name is Jonathan Mullen. I'm, I'm the student ministries pastor. I've been here for five years uh, last August. And my wife and I really had a big emphasis in our youth program, revitalized it, got some uh, key leaders in place. Uh, and it's, it was just such a privilege to hang out with teenagers. Love, I, I love teens. They just, they can, they can handle so much 
um, so much challenge, so much, they exercise faith just unbelievably. We just recently, based on, we, we felt just a conviction to spend some time in our children's ministry department and um, really just pour into them. And it has been so different than youth ministry, and I love it. <laughs> it's just so, I, I feel like a child um, so much, and, and it's just, it's been awesome. I want to say thanks to uh, Shane and Ashley, our youth leaders, uh, and Travis, who helps out, and Sean Holmquist, and uh, we have some of the best leaders in place for, for youth. They are encountering God, uh, they're connecting with people, their peers, and ultimately they're making a difference for Jesus. And thank you guys so much for just being willing to help out with youth. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> you know, the children always do what they see their parents doing. You know, we have them for 90 minutes throughout the week or, you know, three, three hours throughout the week, but they really model what happens in the home. And so our, our, our partnership as Kidmen uh, and youth ministry is we partner with you as a primary. Uh, now, we realize some kids don't have parents that love Jesus or know Jesus, and so in that sense, we're, we kind of act as a primary but we believe that these children are being impacted and they're gonna reach their families for Jesus. But, but as I'm speaking to the people in the room, we really, we partner with you. Uh, we, we value you and we cheer you on. So if there's anything that you think we can do better, uh, whatever, that, whatever that looks like, if you have suggestions, really open to them. I'm, I, like I said, uh, I feel like there's so much change coming to our kid ministry department. Uh, one of the biggest emphasis that we're doing right now is just safety. We just want to make sure our kids are, are downstairs, the right people are in place, um, and, and you feel safe. Our first-time guests feel safe. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I went out to a church just a few weeks ago, and uh, I checked my child in, and it was kind of a, it was a little bit of a process, but I checked him in, went and sat in service. Um, probably the first song into it, I got a text message. Thanks so much for letting Elijah and Elizabeth come hang out at Kids Church. Um, they're having a great time. Hope you enjoy service. Put my phone away. Um, afterwards, when turning my sticker, I got home a week later. There's a letter from the kids pastor and says, hey, thanks so much for, for letting uh, Elijah. Actually, he's addressing the Elijah and Elizabeth. He says, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Hope you come back soon. Uh, it's just very intentional. Um, and that's what we want to see happen in our kid ministry. And child check-in process and the safety procedures and having people in the room, it's all just part of saying how much we value kid men. We say we value kid men a lot of times, but we actually don't want to, like, follow up with steps and how we prove it. You know, offering it downstairs, having one leader downstairs and, and saying just go talk to them is not, it's not valuing kid men in this culture. In this culture, people want to feel safe. They want to know that there's steps in place. They want to know safety. And so all of these things are it's just being brought to that. Of course, there's a banner on the wall that talks about what we're, what we're talking about today. Uh, Rahab and the walls of Jericho and all of that story is what they're discussing downstairs. So if you're ever curious about what they're talking about, it's right there on the back wall. Today, um, I have BGMC barrels and envelopes, be the light um, envelopes on the ground. And basically, today I want to partner uh, with you. And basically, um, we're trying to raise money for the missions programs for kids and teenagers 
The kids have a missions program called BGMC, Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge, and Speed the Light is very similar, but what's what the teens use. And it's basically um, raising money, putting it into account, and letting missionaries say, hey, I really need this curriculum. Can you give me $100 so that I can go reach a small village in Ukraine? This past week, I uh, just a few days ago, I actually got to sit down with our global partner, uh, Phil Reed, from Ukraine. And he talked to me a little bit about just how they're just doing incredible work planting churches. And he says that he's also just, just recently started working with uh, youth ministry. And, so, and he said, the vehicle that I, I have right now was purchased 100% by Speed the Light. Uh, and and that's, that's what we're asking you to partner with. Um, there's 45 envelopes. Uh, they start at a dollar, and they go up to $45. They don't go any more than that. And if everyone were to take a barrel or an envelope and fill it, you know, if you picked up the envelope that says $5 and you put your $5 in bring it back next week or the week after, if every envelope and buddy barrel got filled, we would have a little over $1,000 for BGMC and Speed the Light. If you wanted to double it, it would be over $2,000. And though quantity isn't very important, uh, because God can, God can take a penny and, and multiply it as much as he needs, he just wants our hearts to be soft and willing and, and coming with a cheerful heart to give. And again, our children model what they see. So I want to encourage you guys, um, by the end of the service, if everyone could come and grab one, consider looking at it, maybe it's $10, and you're like, you know what, I got an extra $20 this week. Double it. Let's just see what God can do with the money that we give, Speed the Light, BGM. See, I think as we're faithful, God's going to continue to be faithful, and we're going to start seeing it manifest even greater and greater ways. So <clears throat> today I wanted to talk to you, um, I want to talk to you, uh, the, the message today is called Rise and Shine, sleepyheads, right? And uh, I'm speaking to myself, uh, it's, it's important, it's important to pastor yourself because a lot of times um, uh, we come to a place like this, I know for years I came to a church so that I would stay alive. Church is not the place for you to come to actually stay alive, there's the Holy Spirit was given to you to keep you alive, to keep you connected to the vine. The Holy Spirit's the most precious gift you'll ever receive. He, is, he has emotions. He, he, God, you know how much God trusts you by what he's entrusted to you, and it's the Holy Spirit. And I, I just want us to pray this really quick. Would you just close your eyes and uh, pray this with me today? Father, would you search me? This is right out of, of Psalms. Father, would you search me, O oh, oh God, and know my heart? Would you test me and know my anxious thoughts? Would you point out everything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life? Amen. God, would you search our hearts? Rise and shine. I want to distinguish, uh, I, I want to preach this quickly because I want there to actually be a time for you to respond to the Holy Spirit today. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't want us to um, uh, hear a message and become more intellectual. I want us to actually respond to a person. Uh, Holy Spirit is constantly speaking. He's constantly speaking to you and to me, but sometimes the receiver is not picking up those waves, if that makes sense. You know, right now in, in this era, there's actually TV signals flying 
You know, there's radio, and if you had a receiver, you could actually dial into it. Police officers are making, sending codes. Uh, Semi-truck drivers also just sending codes. It's all happening right here, but we can't perceive it because we don't have a receiver. But the Holy Spirit wants us to perceive what he's saying right now. That's why Jesus said so many times, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the Holy Spirit is our open heaven. If he is inside of you, he wants to speak to you about what God is speaking about, what God is doing. Jesus modeled that perfectly. But before I get going on that, I want to bring you back because I feel like um, this, is, this is kind of a weighty uh, topic because um, sleeping um, and, and falling asleep, sometimes it has a stigma attached to it, like, oh, you're less spiritual. You don't love Jesus enough. That's not, that's not what this is about. If you're sleeping, God wants you to wake up because he loves you. That's, that's, it's, it's a matter of repentance. God, I guess I am a little sleepy. I don't want to be sleepy. Wake me up. That's all, that's all that this has nothing to do with your love for God, has nothing to do with you're a bad person, none of that. It just means you're getting sleepy, wake up. And uh, just so you know, <laughs> I've already prayed the prayer of repentance <laughs> because this pertains to me very much so. I just feel like the Lord was just saying, hey, are you getting sleepy? So that's what today's message is about. It's about being sleepy spiritually. And uh, God wants us to be awake. When I, when I'm, what this message really is specific towards are believers. Now, if there are unbelievers in the room, people that just haven't put confident trust in Jesus, really, the situation that you're in right now is either you're alive or you're dead. Uh, for you, there's no, there's no you're kind of alive. or you're, It's either you're alive or you're dead. And spiritual death, um, the only reason why we're spiritually dead is because we have disobeyed God one time. And that's actually what makes us dead. And um, the, at the end of the, the road, of, at the end of the road of sin, leads to death and eternal death. And um, the Bible actually says that God didn't create us for the wrath of God, but for us to experience salvation. He wants us to experience him. So he never created you for death. He wants you to become alive. Once you become alive, now you, you've been given the Holy Spirit, God on earth. He lives inside of you and he wants to live uh, through you for the rest of your life. So now Christians have the great responsibility of hosting the presence, but yet staying very, very awake in, in our pursuit of who God is and letting him transform us, who he wants us to be. So I want to just tell you a quick story. A while back, my brother, uh, I, I share this because he shared this preaching, but my brother, uh, we were at a party, birthday party, my brother fell asleep. And we're telling, trying to get him to wake up, and he's like, you know, he stands up, he's kind of like dazed out. And uh, I'm like, Theon, turn off the TV. So he grabs the pizza that he was eating, and he pushes the pizza, and he's trying to turn off the TV with it. He's like, and I'm like, I'm just sitting there like bizarre. I'm just like, what is happening right now? It's like, you're trying to turn off the TV with a piece of pizza. It's like, he's sleepwalking. He doesn't even know that he's sleeping. He's fully convinced that what he's pushing is actually the remote probably pushing a piece of pepperoni or a piece of sausage, you know, I don't know. But he was sleeping, and sometimes if we're not careful, spiritually, we can do the same thing. The danger of falling asleep behind the wheel is incredible. When you're driving, if you fall asleep behind the wheel, that's incredibly dangerous. How much more is it spiritually? The, 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 the thing that's so confusing is that you don't, you don't actually know that you're falling asleep. I mean, when you think about it, last night, you, you remember putting on your PJs, laying down in bed, but you don't actually remember the minute, the, the moment that you fell asleep. 
It's interesting how that works. I, I, rem- I remember laying down, closing my eyes, feeling really tired, think- feeling like, man, I'm tired. But I don't remember drifting. And then it just happened. Then eight hours later, I woke up, and here I am. It's interesting. And, and I just want you to know, if you yawn today, you know, that's not a bad thing at all. I mean, we all get sleepy. I'm talking about spiritually, our spiritual senses. I, I don't know. When you yawn, it tells you you're getting tired. When you, you know, if you get a little agitated, you're easily agitated, it might be because you might be getting a little sleepy. Maybe you get heavy eyes. I was just driving just last week, and my eyes were getting heavy. I'm like, wow. Realization just hit me. I'm getting sleepy. What are those... What are those reactions in the spiritual realm that determine when you're getting sleepy? That's what we're going to talk about today. And I just really feel like the two, um, the, the two best ways to determine whether you're getting spiritually sleepy um, is if you don't connect with God often, you're not connecting with him often, and if you're not connecting with people often. Those are two things that are very close to God's heart. And so if, if you just... You know, you might be finding yourself say, you know, I'm just not making time to pray. I just don't have time. Or I don't have time to read the Bible. I just don't. Um, it's uh, maybe, maybe you've intentionally sinned. You violated your conscience. And now you feel God's mad at you. So you've withdrawn. Maybe that's, I mean, I've, I have done that. I do that. And it's wrong. Am I a bad person? No. I messed up. God, I messed up. I don't want to do that again. Let me become like you. And it's repentance. It's this lifestyle of repentance. Maybe it's with people. You know, um, sometimes you, got, you get into an argument and there's this something that was said and there's so much offense and you both want to be right, you both want to be justified, but no one's willing to actually humble themselves and say, you know what, I just misinterpreted that and, I, and, and maybe you said that intentionally, but I just took it the wrong way and I'm sorry and there's no reconnection. If you're getting drowsy spiritually, it might be, it might be because you, you're disconnected from God or from people. And we, we think, I, I just want to emphasize just the, the, the danger of falling asleep spiritually. It's very dangerous because, um, because uh, just, I'm just give you a little fun fact really quick. It, there's actually four stages of sleep. First stage is a very, uh, it's just a very light sleep. Um, basically, you close your eyes, you just start relaxing. It's just, you're minimizing activity. You're just starting to relax. The second stage of sleep is um, you're, you're actually, your body temperature drops. Your heart actually stops beating as fast, and you start really relaxing. Uh, stage three, you, you enter into a really deep sleep, but you can start sleepwalking. That's the stage. It's like you're going through the motions, but you're, you're not actually like fully aware of them. And, and then st- stage four is the deepest sleep where your, your, your voluntary muscles, they become involuntary. They're, you're basically paralyzed because you're at such a deep sleep. You're not aware of the, the world around you. All the noises have disappeared. You know, there could be a concert going on. This is how children sleep. Like at a concert, there's like so much going on. And spiritually, if you look at every one of those phases, it really applies to Christians. If we're not careful, the fire and the, the, our hearts, they beated fast with God when we first came to him. Eventually, it just starts slowing. Our temperature, we're not 
we're not as uh, we're not as fiery as we once were about God. So it, we're just just starting to to not care. Stage three, you know, we're walking around like zombies, where it feels like we're doing everything right. It feels real, but we're actually asleep, and we haven't even known it. We've, we're already into deep sleep, and, and sleep number four is just we're starting to call sin good and good sin. We're actually starting to embrace fully what we view on videos. We look at things on the internet. We say things in the locker room. We say things at home. We gossip. We slander. We're drunken. We're orgies. We're all of those things that the Bible lists and more. Anything that whenever we're disconnected from God and from people, there's a good chance you become sleepy. Again, is it a bad thing if you're sleepy? No. It's a call to repentance. It's a call to actually change the way that we've lived and turn back to God. So I wanted to, um, man, uh, I got to, I think I'm just going to go right into my, um, right into the text. I, I, I got to, <clears throat> Genesis 25, you have to scroll down, uh, let's if, if, if you don't mind. Um, Genesis chapter 25. Um, just to quick summarize, Jesus modeled a life without sin, like he was completely without sin, and he was fully dependent upon Holy Spirit. When, when John the Baptist, Baptist baptized Jesus, it says the Spirit of God came down and rested on his shoulder and remained. It actually remained on him. And that Holy Spirit spoke to Jesus. And it even says that he led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. The enemy comes, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, well, I'm starving. What good, what good is it anyway? I'm going to eat. Let's. And so he zapped the, the stones that became bread and he ate. That's not at all what happened. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That's the New Testament believer. What Jesus is talking about there is actually to live by faith. Faith is the assurance in the word of God. If, so if there's faith being modeled in your life, it's because it's based on what Jesus has said. You read the Bible and you say, well, that's, that's real. Everything else is kind of like maybe. What Jesus has said is actually real. I'm going to base my life on everything he said. That's faith. Man shall not live on just bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And he talks about how like the son can do nothing of himself. He just says, the son can do nothing of himself. In other words, there's other agent. There's another agent in place. He says, I only see what I see the father doing. I only do what I see the father doing. How does he do it? With the Holy Spirit's help. The Holy Spirit is empowering him how to live his life. How did Jesus know what was in people's heads? How did he raise Lazarus from the dead? How did he prophesy? How did he do all of these things with an agent called the Holy Spirit? And Jesus said, it's better that I go. If I go, I'll send him to you. Man, I, gotta, I guess I got to read one. I just got to read one. <clears throat> Um, let's read, uh, yeah, let's do the verse 11 of, where is this? I don't know. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Then in Romans, see, God actually wants us to agree with that because he actually has our best interest in his heart. Check this out. He says, Romans 8, 1, it says, For now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. All of heaven sees you the same way they see Jesus. You're innocent, completely holy, and now they cheer you on. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3, 1, it says, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. God wants us to set our minds on things above, not on things of this earth. This is one thing that's above. In Matthew 5.43, this is something that God thinks about. He says, you've heard the law say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you in the way that you will be acting. In this way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. So God, God treats Christians and non-Christians the same. But we t- generally treat Christians and non-Christians very separate. Or if we treat Christians and Christians who have offended us different. God treats everyone the same. This is, this is one way that you might determine that you've become sleepy. But God says, set your minds on this. If you could do one thing today, take this, this verse and apply it this, this week. Those who have offended you, hurt you, betrayed you, stolen from you, lied about you, something. Take this, this passage and just apply that. You're going to be ahead of the game. There's so many, there's so many things that we struggle to do. Forgiveness, I tell the young people this all the time. I say, you know, if, if you can figure out how to deal with discouragement, offense, conflict, you're going to win in life. You will be a winner. If you don't, you're going to really struggle in life because there's so much hurt, so much pain, so much betrayal in life. If you don't learn this one thing, you're going to really struggle. And it's so critical. It's so simple. Why was it so simple but yet so difficult? Sometimes we get offended, and, or like I said earlier, we feel like God's mad at us. We, have, we deliberately sinned, and now we feel God's mad at us. James 4.8 says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Our hearts so easily become divided. The only reason why you intentionally sin is because the world seems appealing. <laughs> Whatever it is, it just seems appealing for a moment, and then you're like, oh, why did I do that? Or maybe you're just like, oh, that's awesome. I can't wait till the next time. I remember growing up in the church, and I, I thought that way often. You just want more and more and more until one day, Holy Spirit's grace, His mercy just hit me, and He's like, you're dying. You're asleep, and you're, gonna, you're, you're on a road that leads to death. If you're not careful, you know, you're in stage four. If you don't wake up soon, it's going to be too late. So I'm going to read Genesis 25. We're going to close with this because uh, there's just so much so much here, but I just want to read. It's a story about Esau and Jacob. They're, they're brothers, they're twins. Um, Abraham, Isaac, Esau, and Jacob. Esau was the elder, Jacob was the younger. They were twins. Um, they were already in conflict in the womb. Uh, 
And so they were, they, and that's how they came out. They were just in conflict. And um, so let's read it. Genesis 25, 27, it says, As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game uh, Esau brought home. But Rebekah loved Jacob. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his name Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, Esau said. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew, eat ate the meal, and then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as a firstborn. The Bible wasn't written down simply to satisfy our desire to know a historical account of the past. The Bible is written, it's, it's alive, and there's a Holy Spirit that is actually wanting us to respond every time you read the Bible. Most of us, we're going to stand before God, and we already know too much. We're going to be responsible with so much that we have already accepted and, and learned. This, this story, we generally hear about it in like Sunday school, you know, or a children's church class, you know, and, and there's, there's a story, you know, hairy arms, a bow and arrow, the whole deal. But there's actually a, a principle in here that I think um, sometimes we miss, and it's the last, the last statement that said, it says, he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. You can go to that next slide of what it means to show contempt. This is what it means to show contempt. I just Googled it, and this is what it says. The feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worthless, or deserving scorn. Scorn means hatred. It's beneath, beneath consideration. It's worthless, and it deserves hatred. <clears throat> the, New, the, the New Testament believer is a, the firstborn of God. Uh, Jesus is, is the literal firstborn. That's what Paul talks about. But we're referred to as the firstborn in, in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, our inheritance, our birthright, our rights as a child is the Holy Spirit. He actually lives inside of us and he wants us to value him and to, to, to do life with him. Sometimes we might get a, a sickness or a disease or sometimes we might, you know, um, someone says something that offends us or, or maybe we're just entertaining anxiety, pornography, depression, whatever it might be. So, something that a demon comes and tries to speak better things in the blood of Jesus. And, then, and, and, and what we do is we try to fix it on our own a lot of times. Esau showed contempt for his birthright. It's, it's below consideration. Why would I consider the Holy Spirit? It's interesting that Jacob said, trade me your, that Jacob told Esau, trade me your birthright. It's almost like what the enemy told Jesus. Trade me your birthright and I'll give you what you want. It's crazy. And, and, and Jesus actually does what's right. He says, no, I'm not, man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He was faithful so on the heels of Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith chapter. Just, he talks so much about all of these 
individuals who trusted God in the Old Testament uh, and, and modeled faith, putting confident assurance in God. And then on the heels of that chapter, he talks in Hebrews chapter 12, he talks about Esau. I want to read that. Hebrews 12, 16 says, Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau. He traded his birthright as a firstborn son for a single meal. You know, this, this passage isn't talking about, oh, that was a dumb decision. He's not just talking simply about a cause and effect, simple A and B. Wow, yeah, you, you got the low end of that deal. He's trying to draw a principle of faith. He's saying, you know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. Go right into um, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, yep. But now you should be teachers. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the first things you need to know from God's word. You need milk instead of solid food. Anyone who lives on milk cannot understand the teachings about being right with God. He is a baby. Solid food for, for, is for full-grown men. They have learned to use their minds to tell the difference between good and bad. God has called us to repent Esau was too late. Esau is already in the past. The, past, the Bible has actually already been written about him. It says, make sure that no one among us is immoral and godless like Esau. Right now, we're created. We have our small moment in history. All of heaven cheers us on. And there's still time for us to repent. Repent is Holy Spirit living inside of us, telling us how to live right to become like Jesus. He's just saying, hey, I want you to do this. Hey, I want you to do this. Hey, I want you to spend time with me today. He's constantly speaking to us, and right now there's a time for repentance. Or it's not, it's not too late for us. For Esau it is. For us it's not. And right now he's asking you, are you awake right now? Are you spiritually awake? I know, I know most of you <laughs> are physically awake, but spiritually, is your spirit receptive? Is it aware of the fact that Holy Spirit is speaking? He wants to speak? You're not created so you can just do life and American dream and all that, retirement, and just, and just come to the end and just coast into heaven. That's not, that is not kingdom. The kingdom is living every day yielded to the Holy Spirit. What do you want to do today? We think, well, that's a little exhausting. That's the kingdom. The kingdom is... It's, so, it's, it's in such a deep communion with God. Everything that he wants. And I just want to say this, and we're going to close, but if, if you're sleepy, it, it really is okay. If you're, if you're spiritually getting sleepy, it's, it's not, God is not mad at you. He's not angry at you. But I believe this morning God actually wants to put desires in you that have never been there, ever. Maybe it's holiness, maybe it's just hope, maybe it's purity, maybe God wants you to fast. Some of you who's already asked you to fast, and you feel like, I just don't, it's just not me, I'm not wired that way, but God's asking you to fast. Maybe some of you, uh, God, God wants to actually see you uh, bless those who persecute you. He's asked you to, but it's just, uh, it's not lining up right yet. God wants to put desires inside of you. He's a real person that's been given to you to see you win. 
You've only been created as a winner. He wants you to win in life. He wants me to win. But, but you can forfeit that like Esau if you show contempt for what he's given you. You can forfeit the destiny he's given you. You can forfeit the person. You can have all of heaven right now if you want it. Don't base the Holy Spirit and, and everything on your experience. I've been doing this thing for 60 years. This is about it. Don't base it on experience. Base it on what's actually written down. The righteous will live by faith. Every word that comes out of the mouth of God, you can stand on. It's not going to fall down. So I'm going to just play on some music. And um, temptation is to be a is to try and uh, tell you what God is saying to you. Every single one of us is different. Pastor Tom said a great job with that. The Holy Spirit is speaking to each one of us differently. But the one question I just want to make sure, because in the natural, you didn't know what, what you looked like. You didn't know what you were saying. You didn't know what you were doing at three this morning. Because you were asleep. There's nothing wrong with that. But spiritually, if we're asleep, it's very dangerous. And I want to make sure that we're not asleep. Every, everything that God has said, God, so be it. Like King David said, God, renew a clean spirit within me, a clean heart. Search my heart. Is there anything that offends you? Is there anything that is, is that's, that's, there's blockage there? Whatever, whatever it is, God, I want to be mature. I know I have to be obedient. I know there's suffering involved. Help me. So right now, what I want everyone to do is I just want you to spend two minutes with God. I don't want anyone to get up. If I mean, if you have to, that's that's fine. You're not not less a Christian, but I don't. I just want you to wait two minutes to just ask God, Lord, seriously, am I am I asleep? Am I sleepy? There's a difference. Am I sleepy right now? I told God, I said, God, when I was preparing this, I said, God, I'm, I'm sleepy. There are things in my life, there's people that I can be, God, I, I've withdrawn from you. There's people that I think about that I wish weren't in the room sometimes because of selfishness, because of I want to be right, because whatever it is, and I'm like, God, I become a little sleepy. Please wake my spirit back up. Make me burn again. Return me to my first love. So just wait just a couple minutes and respond to the person. Don't respond to this message like information. Respond to the person, the Holy Spirit. He's in you. You tabernacle him. After you're done, feel free to come and grab a buddy barrel envelope and uh, then you'll be dismissed.